The passage I will be reading from today is Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 through 11. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? We all know that spoken words are powerful, especially in the presence of another person, because for the most part, we usually don't speak words out loud to no one. And when we do speak, we expect a reply. Even single words will spur a response. For instance, if my wife Lori is in another room and says something like, Wow, I'm likely to get up and inquire as to why she said that. So when you are speaking to someone, you expect a reply. The expectation of a response to words is so strong that if I say something to my wife Lori and she doesn't respond, I immediately assume that she didn't hear me. But words that fuel the greatest expectation of response are those put in the form of a question. Questions compel an answer. Questions are powerful like that. They evoke response like no other form of a sentence. When a question is asked, the person that receives the question feels obligated to answer. We assume and therefore we wait for an answer. And even if the answer does not come verbally, there's something inside all of us that mulls questions in our mind. Even questions that we know we are not going to answer verbally. So, a question provokes thoughts in the person being asked. I saw a silly questionnaire on Facebook a few days ago. Facebook is full of those, you know. I read a few of the questions, and even though I knew I would not participate in this, I still found myself pondering those questions in my mind as to how I would answer them. Questions do that. Do you suppose God knows this? Of course he does. There are close to 3,300 questions in the Bible. You would think that most of those would be man questioning God. Why? How? When? Where? Or what? And of course, there are a fair share of those. But it might surprise you that God himself asks a lot of questions. He uses this means of communication throughout the Bible in multiple encounters with people. Often it's during times when a person in the Bible is struggling. Speaking of struggling, the book of Job contains the most questions in the Bible. I'm sure that doesn't surprise you. But what might surprise you is to find out that most of the questions come from God. Jesus also used this in conversations with people. You often find him asking questions of his audience. So let me get to my message. I'm not sure if you realize it or not, but there is no recorded dialogue between God and man until Adam ate from the forbidden tree. I'm sure prior to this, God and Adam and Eve carried out many conversations, but they're just not recorded. Instead, you find God speaking to the man on many occasions with no recorded response from man. So it was only after the fall that we find an actual dialogue. And wouldn't you know it, that dialogue begins with a question. God asking a question. And actually, 
There are three questions God asks before he declares what will happen. I think this is significant. I once did a study of all the questions God asks in the Bible. I wanted to know what was important enough to God that he would question man about. And I immediately realized that the very first question God asked in the Bible was perhaps the most revealing. He asks Adam, where are you? I find this question compelling. It tells us something about us, but it also tells us something about God. You can almost hear the desperation in the Father's voice as he asks this question. You see, God had immediately felt the pang of separation. As I was thinking about this, it made me wonder. Did the prodigal son's father mutter those words to himself often? Son, where are you? A few days ago, I read a Facebook post from my daughter, Anna. She was looking for her son to come to dinner. She last remembered him heading off on foot with a compass in hand. After calling his name several times in the front and backyards and then checking with the next-door neighbor, she was starting to get panicky. Many of us have had those times when we think we've lost a child. I happened to be in a neighboring town only two blocks from where my other daughter Sarah lives when she discovered that her two sons hadn't made it home from their walk from school. When I got to her house, I could see the utter dread in her face. Both of them were wondering, where are you? Mothers feel that deeply when their children are young, but they really never get past that. Even as their children are grown and out of the house, for the rest of their lives, mothers wonder, where are you? Son, where are you? Daughter, where are you? Of course, this is not about geography. They wonder, where is my son or daughter spiritually, emotionally? Are they safe? Are they healthy? Is their husband or wife treating them well? Do they have a relationship with the Lord? A mother's heart never rests. She is always asking in the deepest part of her, Where are you? That question is loaded, isn't it? And as I said, it says a lot about God. You see, God wants us near Him, and He feels it when we are not. Even in the New Testament, He pleads, Draw near to me. God's pleading question, Where are you? was because He missed Adam. He longed for His fellowship. Adam had departed from God in his heart, and he tried to hide himself among the trees. I believe the trees represent a couple of things. The trees were for pleasure because they bore fruit, but they also represented a part of Adam's work. They were part of the garden Adam was supposed to cultivate and maintain. So you might say Adam was trying to hide from God among his work and pleasure. We do that too, don't we? Regardless, man had run from God. You find this motif often in the Bible. You even wonder if David was tempted with it as he spoke of not being able to hide from God in Psalm 139. So here in this garden we have God, in a way, alone. Adam and Eve had departed in spirit. It reminds me of Jesus. 
In the end of Jesus' time with his disciples, he told them, You will all leave me alone. Remember Jesus in another garden? Alone in the garden of Gethsemane? Don't forget, that's God in that garden. God in the flesh. And again, you can almost hear that question, Where are you? As I said, this question reveals something about God, a God who has a father's heart, a God who fills the emptiness of a prodigal who is no longer home, a God who will spare nothing to get us back. But this question should also reveal something about us. As I said, questions are meant to evoke a response. Where are you is a probing question. It was meant more for man than for God. After God's seemingly desperate question, it was now up to man to respond. God didn't ask this question to get information that he didn't already know. This was not a question of geography. Sure, man was trying to hide among the trees, but as I said earlier, David tells us how successful we can be when trying to hide from God. In Psalm 139, verses 7 through 12, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, Surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day for darkness is as light with you. Listen, don't ever play hide-and-seek with God. He cheats. So this was obviously not about geography. It was about where Adam was in his heart. God knows us inside and out. Remember, God had told Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, The Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Even the thoughts and intents of the heart are probed by God. Psalm 139 again begins with this in verse 1. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. And First Chronicles 28 verse 9 says the Lord searches all hearts and understands every plan and thought. So this is really not about God being on a fact-finding mission. This is about God asking a question so that we will discover where we are and be honest about it. It's a question that compels an answer from us, an honest answer. By God asking this question, he is implying we are not where we should be. We are not where he expects us to be, where he wants us to be. And where is that? With him, near him. I want you to imagine God asking this question of you. And by the way, this is a far more important question than those silly questionnaires on Facebook. How would you answer that question, where are you? How would you answer that right here and right now? You see, God wanted Adam to be honest about what was going on in his heart. And believe it or not, Adam actually blurted it out. I was afraid. 
I was naked. I hid myself. You see, that's what God wants. He wants raw honesty. We can't be close to someone while hiding everything. God wanted Adam to come close and confide in him, to draw near to him in his time of need. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We need to be honest like Adam was when he said, I was afraid. We need to admit to God when we're afraid. We need to be able to say, I'm afraid. I know I shouldn't be, but I am. I wake up afraid, and I go to bed afraid. I'm afraid for my family. I'm afraid for my finances. I'm afraid for my future. Listen, it doesn't do any good to lie to yourself or to God. Quit saying what you think you're supposed to say or sing. If you are afraid, admit it to God, and let Him draw you close and banish every fear. Isn't that what God did? Didn't He reassure them with the promise of a Savior in this dark moment? Adam also admitted he was naked. Nakedness brings to mind shame. Adam felt ashamed. I don't believe God wants us to be ashamed. I believe that when Jesus endured the shame of the cross, he took away all our shame. Even in the garden, the second question God asked was, Who told you that you were naked? In other words, I didn't tell you that. I didn't put that shame on you. And lastly, Adam admitted that he hid himself. Now, as I've pointed out, there is no place we can hide from God. But the Bible says that we can hide, and it tells us where our hiding place is. According to Psalm 91, we can hide under the shadow of the Almighty. And one last place, and I'll leave you there. Colossians chapter 3, verse 3. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Amen.